in the New Testament portion of your Bible, toward the back of your Bible is the New Testament, and we have four books of the Bible that tell us the story of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, there was four. And then right after that is Acts, that's where we're turning, Acts is, kind of gives us a history of the beginnings of the church, the beginnings of Jesus' followers. So I want you to follow along this morning in your Bibles uh, in Acts chapter 2, in just a moment we'll start in verse 37. Well, in case you missed it, last Sunday here at Faith Church, the Apostle Peter was here preaching a sermon. Okay, maybe it was Pastor Ed dressed up like Peter, but the, but the text of God's word to us last Sunday was Peter's sermon. Uh, this sermon uh, back in Acts chapter 2 in the early church, uh, God working through his follower Peter and uh, so last, if you missed it, if you weren't here, if you didn't join us online, you know, all of our messages are on our website. You can go back and check that out. Pastor Ed did an excellent job encouraging us to grow as witnesses, as spirit-empowered witnesses of what God has done in our lives to share that with others. And, so the, and then the content of Peter's sermon, uh, how could you boil it down? But you, you can't. Maybe there's, it was rich, and it was gospel-encouraging, and, and it was... It was talking about Jesus' ministry, all, and, and Peter talking to these people and wanting them to know who Jesus was, and Peter said, you killed him, but God raised him, and we saw him. That's what Peter was saying. God raised him from the dead, and we saw him. Resurrection, that, that Jesus is alive, is key and critical to the good news message that Peter wanted to share. That's because the gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and I through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection, that he is alive, that we're going to see that uh, throughout the book of Acts, especially this emphasis on our salvation coming because Jesus, yes, lived the life that we cannot live died the death that we deserve, but was raised again to new life. The gospel is the good news that God doesn't leave us stuck in our sins, separated from him, in our rebellion, deserving of consequences and separation from him. Instead, we have a God who, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, comes to get us and makes it possible for us to be in relationship with him. So, join me in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. After Peter's sermon... It says this, that now when they heard this gospel good news, the people were cut to the heart. And so they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? This is an excellent question because the gospel calls for a response. The gospel good news of what Jesus has done for you through his life, death, and resurrection calls for a response. Here's the last uh, section of our Statement of faith. You can find this whole statement on our website. It explains what we believe biblically and theologically. But let me read this part. This is the last section. We believe that God commands everyone everywhere to believe the gospel by turning to him in repentance and receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that God will raise the dead bodily. As Jesus was raised, it shows us that we too will be raised to new life. We believe that God will raise the dead bodily and judge the world, assigning the unbeliever to condemnation and eternal conscious punishment, and the believer to eternal blessedness and joy with the Lord in the new heaven and the new earth, to the praise of his glorious grace. Amen.
The gospel calls for a response. And so verse 38, Peter says to them, they said, what shall we do? Verse 38 is Peter's answer. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gospel calls for a response. If you have come to understand and hear the good news that Jesus lived and died and was raised again, and that because of that you can have life with God, then you are called to respond and put your trust in Jesus. Repent means to turn away from our old lives, to turn away from our sin, the old self, and instead turn to God to receive, as the passage says there in verse 38, to receive forgiveness of our sin and to receive God himself living within us and helping us to live for him. So then we look down at verse 41. So those who received this gospel good word were baptized, and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. This is God-sized results, right? This is God-sized fruit of the gospel good news being preached. This is people responding to God's work among them, 3,000 turning in repentance and in, in, in getting rid of the old self and turning away from the old life and our rebellion against God and turning to Jesus for salvation. It says those who received this word were baptized. And I want to encourage you, uh, because we have an opportunity in a couple of months, your salvation comes through Jesus. Your salvation is by putting your trust in Jesus. That's how we are saved. And then there's baptism where you are dunked in the water. And this is symbolic of dying to our old self and being raised again to new life. Our, our baptism in water is our proclamation to the world that we are in Jesus. And so if you are a follower of Jesus and you have not yet obeyed Jesus' command to be baptized, to proclaim to, the, to your brothers and sisters in the church family, but also to the world that you are a follower of Jesus, we have that opportunity in a couple months. And so I want you to be thinking about that. I want you to be talking to the Lord about that. I want you to feel free to ask any of us on staff about that. We would love to celebrate um, Palm Sunday, Sunday before Easter. We would love to be right here in this room celebrating that milestone in your spiritual journey with you of dunking you in the water to proclaim uh, that you are a Jesus follower. So be thinking about that. Sound good? How are we doing? We're tracking? Because I'm fired up, so I need you guys to be fired up. Okay? I put hours and hours into studying this week, so it's going to take me hours and hours to pass it along. Is that Okay. Okay, I'm kidding, but I don't know how long I got. We'll see. If anybody starts booing, I'll know I've gone too long. Okay, so here's the deal. Peter's sermon that we studied mostly last Sunday leads us right into this passage today. And here's why I say that. Because Peter's sermon is just the beginning of something that we're going to hear more and more in the book of Acts and in the rest of the New Testament part of our Bible. Peter's sermon is just the beginning of, of teaching us this. That people are saved, that you come to saving relationship with Jesus, and you are saved into community. Let's read the passage that God has for us today. Verse 42 and following. And they, having, remember verse 41, having received the good news, having responded in repentance and baptism, 3,000 people are added to these, these, this early church that already had a bunch of Jesus followers. And so the church, the early church is growing. And here verse 42 tells us about these early gatherings, these early 
uh, followers of Jesus. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs, miracles were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together. Everybody say together. together. All who believed were together and had all things in had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, everybody say day by day. Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. Everybody say day by day. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Salvation being forgiven of our sin, being made right with God, being brought out of the dark and into the light, being brought out of death and into new life, that comes as a free gift of God's grace. God offers that free gift, and we are to receive it. This is not something that we work at, that we strive for, that we have to behave, that we have to checklist things that I think are good behavior and might get me some brownie points with God, and maybe at the end of my life I'll have... No! Our salvation is a free gift of God's grace that we receive by putting our trust in Jesus, by, by following Jesus in faith. And what happens as a result of that? So much. If you become a follower of Jesus, followers of Jesus are now reconciled with God. We're put back in relationship that was broken with God. And what we're really wanting to be encouraged about today is we're saved into community. We're reconciled with God and saved into community. God's rescued us out of sin and death. Yes, part of our salvation is our forgiveness of sins. Part of our salvation is being made right with God receiving that kind of rescue, and God's rescue brings us into relationship with other followers of Jesus. We are made right with God, and we are brought into relationship with his people. When, when God, throughout history, has gone about this rescue plan of bringing a people to himself, he is creating his people, his church. And what is the church? It's a community, a community of spiritual siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ who now are, are to relate as family. We are made right with God, and we are brought into community. So far, so good? I mean, think about what, okay, Luke is writing the book of Acts. Luke already wrote the story of Jesus' life. We call it the gospel of Luke in your Bible. And now in the book of Acts, Luke is continuing the story of what Jesus continues to do. Remember, we think that it might feel to the followers of Jesus that Jesus is absent in the book of Acts because he ascended on a cloud and he is at the right hand of God. He might seem absent, but he is far from absent. The risen and ascended Lord Jesus is working from the right hand of God for his purposes, for our good and his glory. And so Jesus continues to work. And look what Luke wants to write. He tells the story of Jesus. Now he tells the story of Acts. And we get to this part in Acts chapter 2. And Luke just described that how many people just turned to Jesus? 3,000. And then day by day, what? Even more? 
Luke's already got that exciting news, but you know what it seems like in today's passage? It seems like Luke's even more excited about what they are saved into. He's saying, yeah, you got saved. You're made right with God. You're, you, you're, you have salvation. But it almost seems like Luke's even more pumped to describe what these people were saved into. This vertical relationship is restored, and now we have horizontal reconciliation The Bible teaches us that we, in our salvation, have been adopted into God's what? Family. You are saved into community. You are adopted into God's family. So, we want to study this passage a little further here in the next few minutes. And we want to see how these early Christians were drawn together and how they lived out their life as a family. And then we want to ask God to use God's word and this example of the early church to inform us today, February 6, 2022, Faith Church in Dallas, Oregon, would God's word this morning impact the way we live as family? You think about your week and all the, all the opportunities and interactions and margins of time. Our weeks include a Sunday, all together. What a glorious part of our life as a church family. But our weeks involve Monday through Saturday as well, opportunities to interact with others that believe and those in our lives that don't. And certainly, even in our busy lives, even if our calendars try to lie to us and tell us otherwise, certainly in our individual lives, we also have Time to be with God. And so may may God's word this morning, as we study verse 42 in particular a little more closely, may that shape the way that we interact as a family. So one more time, we are saved into community. We are adopted into God's family. So So here in these verses, we have the early church, the church in Jerusalem, living like family. Let's look at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The language here in this verse that they translate devoted themselves, the language there has the idea of persistence. There's ongoing devotion. They are persisting at doing these things. It wasn't just their, these things that are listed here that we're going to review in verse 42 aren't just kind of one-time responses to what God was doing in their midst. The wording here says that, that there was this persistence that, that of, of, of working together, of sharing together in these four activities that this verse highlights is a key part of becoming a family, of living like family of sharing in God's community. And so um, as we look at a little closer at these four things, I want to maybe suggest church family doesn't just happen. I, I don't think church family just happens. And I can come up here every Sunday till I'm blue and say, good morning, church family, till I'm blue in the face, but me saying good morning, church family, isn't going to make you church family. It make sense? I, I think church family isn't something that just happens. But is it worthwhile? Is it something to strive for? Is it something to ask God to do in our midst? 
Is it something that by the Holy Spirit's work would be extremely beneficial for our church family? Yes. I think that growing into being a family demonstrates our unity, and I think demonstrating our unity and our family life together is a marvelous witness to Dallas and beyond. Our lives together as family and sharing together in unity helps us to be an effective witness, testifying to God's work in our lives. So, uh, So how were these early believers... How are these early Christians living as a family? Ongoing devotion to these things. Persistence at these four things. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. So first we take a look at the apostles' teaching. It was important for this early community of believers what was one of the most critical things was knowing Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection, was knowing about Jesus and his ministry. And, 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 this, and this early group of Christians knew also that they needed to be prepared to be witnesses, to be ambassadors, to be representatives of Jesus into the world. And so instruction then, biblical teaching, knowing knowing all that Jesus had taught and all that his followers began to teach and write into what we have as now as our Bible, they were, this instruction was important to these early believers. And they, they would have had the apostles teaching them all that they had heard from Jesus. They would have had the apostles helping even them to understand some of the Old Testament scriptures in light of what Jesus had now revealed. And so that's what they had the opportunity uh, uh, to learn from. And primarily, what do we have the blessing of learning from? God's word. The apostles' teaching is now in writing, God writing through human hand, giving us just what he wanted. And the word of God is living and active and absolutely relevant in 2022. So we have this book in, in, our, in our lap that we get to open, and, and we can devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, here's just a, a, a once-removed story. I had a friend, good friend, but he told a, fr- a story about his friend. So this other guy, I don't, really, I don't know in person, I've just heard this, this legend my buddy tells me that his buddy, when they were in college, and they had, you know, the dorm room, and his bed was over here in the dorm room, and uh, right above his bed, this guy put a sign on the wall that said the word. And that way he could go hang out with his Christian friends and say, hey, I'm going to go spend some time in the word. <laughs> Cheesy Christianese joke. Okay, sorry. If you're not tracking, the word is an expression for... Our Bible and Christianese people speaking Christianese like to sometimes talk about what they should be doing. I would, I'm going to go spend some time in the Word. Okay, so I hope you have a habit a little better than that. The point is, is that we do need to spend time in God's Word. That we do need to spend time with the Father. If we are family, 
we've been saved into a community, if we've been saved into God's family, then we need to spend time with the Father. And, and, and studying the scriptures is one of our best ways to do that. And so you think about where that incorporates into our lives. Sundays. Sundays are important. This is a key opportunity to be committed to gathering together with God's people on Sundays. And, and there's lots of ways that we express our love for God and our thankfulness for God when we gather in worship. And one of, the, one of the primary opportunities we have is to study the apostles' teaching together, is to study the instruction of God's word. And so this is important. But we also, you know, hopefully as a church family, uh, are getting to know others within the church a little, a little deeper and a little more time spent together than just a Sunday morning. And, and one of the main ways we do that around here is through our life groups. Life groups at times may choose to study the word together. But even more, I think what I would recommend is that within a life group, whatever the size of a life group is, there's an opportunity to divide that life group up into even smaller groups, perhaps groups of two or three men, two or three women, two or three men, two or three women. And I think that's a prime place to be studying the Bible on our individual time and then meeting with those people to discuss and hear together what God is teaching us. How are we committed? How, are we, how do we, Church Family Faith Church in 2022, how do you have an ongoing devotion to Bible instruction in your life? And of course, I urge you, as I often remind you, that I, I urge you that, that you have a habit of, of personal time reading God's word as frequently as possible as well. You can do it. God will teach you. The Holy Spirit will help. There are so many great resources that can help you know what you're reading, learn what you're reading, uh, take you step-by-step step through a reading plan that helps you read more and more of your Bibles. If this is not something that has become part of your rhythm as a follower of Jesus, please ask God for help ask in incorporating this into your life and ask other Christians around you for how you might begin studying his word. There's so many resources. You can ask our staff. You can talk to an elder. You can turn to a Christian you know and, and, and admire who, who walks with Jesus and studies his word and spends time in prayer and ask them how they do it and, and what tools they have and use a devotion book and use a Bible reading app and on and on. Opportunities to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. So let's move to the fellowship. In this passage, the word fellowship is, tra is translated from a Greek word koinonia, and koinonia has an, uh, uh, an, an idea of sharing in common, of sharing together. It's a word that we often use for community, uh, for fellowship. And so they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. And we'll see, as the verses continue, as we already read, we'll see this sharing together does have a material aspect, a financial aspect of sharing with one another to, to meet needs. But obviously, it's much more than that as well. When we think about koinonia, when we think about being together and sharing together and having all things in common, Luke, the author of Acts, is, is really emphasizing here that the early church in Acts 2, in verse 42, what Luke is emphasizing is that there is real relationship happening. That there is significant connection between people happening. That, that there is um, real connection to one another, between one another, and for one another. 
that the kind of relationship between people that, that God is developing between people, that, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, between his followers, it is real significant relationship and connection where there is caring and concern and sharing and living life together and enjoying one another and grieving with those who grieve and celebrating with those who celebrate and, and, and being a family, koinonia. And yes, as the, as the verses 44 and 45 go on to explain, yes, there is an aspect of koinonia that is material or sharing in, in possessions or worth or finances. It says, all who believed were together, verse 44, and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Get, get, get a picture of this. Imagine a family, a community, working together in this way. Uh, this, is not, um, this is not forced to give up their stuff. This is not being told that the best way to live or a, or a government or a, is to put everything in a pot and then spread it around. That's not what's being talked about here. This is not a forced, required to donate thing. This is what, what God is showing us through the author of the scriptures here is his people voluntarily at God's direction, at God working in their hearts and minds, God's people voluntarily sharing what they have out of a caring, genuine response for the needs of others. Seeing their family members in need, seeing that not everyone was situated as well as they needed to be, and going, I love this person. This is my family. The Spirit is guiding me. I'm voluntarily sharing my resources so that we can give to those in need so that we can be a family and be healthy in that way. Isn't that exciting? And we have that opportunity all the, all the time around here. As you guys, a lot of this happens organically in your friendships within the church when there's a need. I know that there's stories and stories and stories that I don't even know about of the way that God blesses each of you through the generosity of his people. And, and we leaders know, know nothing about it. And that's awesome because that's you being a family. And then there's also opportunities where we have to give our finances to the church family. And one of the many things that your generous giving does in supporting this church is that it gives us an opportunity to respond in generosity when needs come up. Just recently, I had an exciting conversation with someone who's not really, I wouldn't say in our church family, but, but within the sphere of influence of our church family, had a great conversation. The Spirit led the conversation. I think I told you about this already. And there became some information aware. And you know what we had an opportunity to do? We had an opportunity, because of your generosity to this church, we had an opportunity to be a conduit of God's generosity to this couple and meet a significant financial need for a significant medical need. Praise God. Thank you for being a family. Thank you for, for God, as God directs, giving generously so that we can be a conduit of God's generosity to others. That wasn't even in my notes, so I told you we're going to go. <laughs> I didn't say I don't need notes. I said that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> hey, congrats on a new grandkid, by the way. <laughs> See, being family, I just heard about five minutes before our worship gathering that the Schmitz have a new grandbaby. Exciting times. 
So as you interact with each other before and after we worship together, be family and celebrate those kind of things and care for one another. So, so as we think of Koinonia Fellowship, is this the kind of connection, fellowship, support that you have? Is this your experience of having a church family? Sundays are a good opportunity to connect with each other, to see each other, yes. But I'd, I would urge you to go beyond Sunday morning, make the church smaller, make sure that you are getting to know a smaller group of people in the church family. That way they can, know, they can really know you and you can know them. Uh, get, get, make the church smaller to where you meet in groups like I described a few minutes ago, maybe a few men with a few men and a few women together and, and where you can really tell the truth about your life, where you can see what God is speaking to you through the scriptures, where you can pray for one another. Uh, this is critical. Instead of, instead of thinking of church as a once-a-week activity, instead of accidentally um, interacting with a church family by kind of treating it as a once-a-week activity that, that, we, that, is, that is started and then finished, what if we looked into God's word and recognized that in community, having been adopted into his family, we have an opportunity to be sister or brother to some. We have an opportunity to be mother or father type figure to some in our church family. And we probably need to also have some in our church family where we can be son or daughter and receive blessing and encouragement and instruction and then have relationships where we give, have relationships where we share and be a family. Um, before we move on to the last two, here's a quick side note. Something that I find myself interested in and talking about often do we, is it possible that we, thinking about koinonia, fellowship, that we've been saved into community, that we've been adopted into a, into a family, is it possible that we undervalue the importance of church family and, and its significance in our lives? Is it possible that we... Um, that we, that we want church family to be significant, we, we desire it, we might say that church family is really significant, but if, if you were to look from a 30,000-foot level at our lives and our day-to-day and our things that we're involved in and the decisions we make and the way that we pursue God and the way we find out what God wants for our lives, is it possible that we undervalue, underestimate the need, underutilize our church family? When big life decisions come up, what's our default? To figure it out for ourselves? To do what we want? When it comes to staying or going in a church family, when it comes to our, our job or our career or what school to attend, or when it comes to a difficult circumstance in our family or another relationship and we need wisdom and we need guidance, do we tend to then buckle down and do it ourselves and pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and figure it out because I'm individual and I'm independent and I can do this? Or do we include 
the community that God has put us in, that when he saved us, we were made right vertically, that we were put in vertical reconciliation with God, but he adopted us into a family and made it that we were also reconciled into a community, into a people that he put in our lives as part of the way he cares for and loves and guides us. So do we incorporate our family, our spiritual family, in our lives in significant ways to hear from God and what he's doing. All right, the breaking of bread. This one sounds good, doesn't it? The breaking of bread. Anybody else want to have some bread? Mm-hmm. We will. The breaking of bread here is a, is a, is a term in the New Testament for it can be a broad term for table fellowship and being together at a table. And it certainly could also refer to the Lord's Supper when followers of Jesus share in the bread and the cup specifically to remember the death of Jesus. But, but I think this term here is broad enough to include both. The term here is definitely inclusive of, hey, let's share meals together. That's part of sharing life together. It would also include times like we will do later this morning at these tables where we will come and take the bread and the cup in, rem- in remembrance of Jesus' death for us. In both cases, whether we're talking kind of broadly about fellowshipping, sharing around the table, or whether we're talking about specifically sharing the Lord's Supper, in both of these cases, think about this. In both of these cases, does time together around a table lead to intimate interaction and mutual acceptance? Have you experienced this when you've opened your home and provided a meal and had people gather around your table? Perhaps people you were familiar with, really pretty close with, or, or perhaps people that were newer to your, to your circles. Have you opened your home and opened your table and then found a meal to have some kind of unique significance? To, to bring about a, just a good time of sharing? To just create an environment of, of seeing each other and hearing each other and understanding each other? I think that meals have that opportunity. This is a critical opportunity to growing in unity within community is the breaking of the bread together. Sharing of meals more broadly, opening our homes, opening our table, and sharing with one another these times, and certainly uh, coming to the, uh, to the table for the Lord's Supper together as well. I mean, bottom line is, is good things happen around food, right? I mean, there's, there's a reason why most of our life groups and most of our you know, events and most of our times at home as a family have food. And so as a church family, let's have food and, and break the bread together. And yes, sometimes that will be specifically to remember the death of Jesus, but oftentimes it will be just to be family. All right, and then the last one in that verse is the prayers. The prayers, Devo- on, remember, remember they are ongoing, there's ongoing devotion. They are persisting at these four areas. Biblical instruction, fellowship, meals, and now prayers. Uh, I just read a book by Dane Ortland, and no, I'm not talking about Gentle and Lowly. Many of you read Gentle and Lowly. I just got done reading another book by Dane Ortland, and he uses the uh, kind of a metaphor or whatever, analogy, I don't know which is which, so somebody will tell me afterward. Um, he uses the thing about, he uses the picture of breathing, that, that we can compare our, our spiritual habits 
of studying the, of God's word and prayer, we can compare those two spiritual habits, studying the word and prayer, to breathing. That we breathe in God's word and that we breathe out God's word back to him. That we breathe in his instruction and encouragement and life-giving words and we breathe them back out to God in prayer. I like that picture. As, as significant as a breath of air is for your physical body, Again, I don't have this in my notes and I don't have time, but you could Google it and you could, th- you could read incredible things about the significance and importance of a deep breath of air for our physical bodies. And as that is important, so is spiritually for our spiritual health, the breathing in of God's word. We already talked about devoting ourselves to, the, to biblical instruction and breathing out his word to him in prayer. That book is, um, there's a, it's a little book. I'm, uh, never mind, long story. Small book, Dane Ortland. I think it's called How God Changes Us. If you wanted to check that out. Um, so in this part of verse 42, Luke is emphasizing the importance of being a family who prays. A family that seeks God's direction. A family who is dependent on God. Who, who centers ourselves around Jesus and seeking God's direction. Um, the, the urgency here in verse 42, including the fact that the early church included devotion to the prayers and asking God to help us as a church in 2022 be ongoing devoted to the prayers is because God's people don't go by feelings or gut. If we're looking for his direction, if we're making a decision, if we're working together as a church family and we want to be in his will and we want to be serving him as best as possible, we don't go by feelings or gut. We submit ourselves to guidance from God. And and one of the best ways to be there is to put ourselves in active relationships, submitting to him in prayer. And so, um, Faith Church, do we want to increasingly be a church of prayer? Yeah, we have been, and we will continue to be by the grace of God. But, but I think there's an opportunity here to make sure that there's an ongoing devotion, that we have a persistence at these four areas of our life. Let's be a church that incorporates prayer anytime, anywhere. Let's be a church family who prays about everything. Let's be a church family who knows that we can pray anywhere, anytime. Um, I think it's less about needing to add something or, or schedule something new. And I'm, I'm more thinking, let's incorporate this into who we are and what we do. What are our rhythms? Sundays. Sundays we pray. Most often when we pray on Sundays, it's more of a, of a, a public prayer modeling for us, someone else modeling for us, an opportunity talking to God. But that's why it can't just be public prayers that are one way. We want to hear prayers. We want to say prayers. We also want to hear prayers for one another and share in that time of praying. There's lots of different ways this can happen, right? In fact, today, uh, at the end of our worship time, we're going to have an opportunity to pray for one another, to have someone else pray for you if you choose. And it could be someone near you, or we're going to have some friends in the back corner there available for you to go and ask for prayer. And so this is, again, part of something that we want to be as a church family. Who we are and what we're about, we want to be a people of prayer. I've talked about life groups. Make the church smaller. Be connected to a group like one of our life groups. 
Um, I think life groups is a great way for prayer to go from once a week on Sundays together to a group of people that I'm interacting with throughout the week. Everybody say day by day. Was that in the passage? So it's not just Sundays. It's God's family day by day, fellowshipping together, interacting with each other, intertwining their lives. And certainly that would include prayer. Life groups are an awesome opportunity to not just pray for each other when you meet together physically, but to be connected throughout the week, whether you know, through the Church Center app or texting or emails, sharing with one another prayer needs, and knowing that you have people um, walking with you in that. I urged you earlier to have daily, if possible, times in God's Word. As frequently as possible, are you building into your spiritual life rhythm an opportunity to connect with God and study his word, but then to pray, to learn to pray, to grow in prayer. Um, you know, and there's no way to, uh, there, there's a million and one ideas, there's a million and one ways you could, you could consider something new in your prayer life, add something new. We don't want this to be overwhelming. I'd encourage you to just pick one. But I had a great conversation um, a, a week or so ago with the, the staff, and in just a few minutes, we had lots of ideas about growing in prayer and adding to our prayer life and what that might look like. And you could, you could do similar with, with Christians uh, that you know. Again, a, a follower of Jesus that you admire. Talk to them. What is their prayer life like? How do they guide their prayer life? But what are some things that come up? What are some things I could encourage you? Um, think about prayer as conversational with God. Your Father wants to hear from you. Don't let thinking you need to have big fancy words or certain education, or be a professional Christian, don't let those things stop you from praying. Conversational. Your Father wants to hear from you. Um, Don't let posture of prayer stop you from praying more frequently. If we only see prayer as knees, hands, head bowed, eyes closed, I won't pray as often. This is great. If I can do this sometimes, a day or weekly, do that. But also know that your posture doesn't, doesn't that you can pray in other postures. Church family, can your eyes be open? Can you pray while walking? Can you pray while driving? Now let's talk about keeping the eyes open. <laughs> right? But, but it is true, right? Don't, don't let some of, those, so those, some of those impressions or some of your history with prayer prevent you from growing in prayer, praying more frequently, praying not just at one time a day, but you want to grow a little bit? Start with two times a day. Want to grow even more? Try to start incorporating prayer just as you go. Little bits here and little bits there. Talk to God. He's there. He hears you. He wants to hear you. But again, there's so many resources. Um, you can journal your prayers. You can track your prayers. There's resources that will help you know what to pray. You could use one of these prayer acrostics. Okay? Uh, it's on the screen, I think. Uh, a couple I thought of were pray, praise, repent, ask, yield. That gives you an idea of what kind of things you could pray. If you're not sure what to pray, that kind of helps you give some structure. Hey, here we are studying the book of Acts in our Bible, so maybe you could use Acts. Acts is an acronym for adoration of God, confession of our sins, Thanksgiving and supplication is a weird, fancy word for asking them. So you can Google those. I know you didn't write them down. I'm talking fast. I'm going too long, and I'm going to keep going. But you can Google prayer acronym and get some ideas of, of uh, you know, putting some structure to your prayer time like that. Um, 
But again, I just rattled a few things off out of a, out of a desire to encourage you. Try something. Try, try adding one of those things. Try one new thing. Don't be overwhelmed and go, my prayer life's terrible and I can't do any of those things that Derek just rattled off. I just, just ask God to show you what's one way I could expand my, my life of prayer for others, grow in my relationship with God so that we can be, have an, as a church family, can have an ongoing devotion to the prayers. Whew! That brings us to the last two verses. Look with me again at verse 46. The last two verses of our passage today say, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Church family, our salvation makes us right with God, and it also adopts us into his family. And, and, look, at, and look at verses 46 and 47. The unity of this community of early Christians, their care for one another, was a good witness to people outside of their community. The fact that this early community, look at verses 46 and 47, the way these early believers loved each other, cared for each other, shared with each other's lives, was a good witness to those who don't know Jesus. How do we know they had an effective witness? Look at the end of verse 47, or the beginning of verse 47, because they had favor with all the people. The way they interacted with each other, the way Christians interacted with each other as family had, a, had an impact, had an influence, had a positive result of people around them. If Dallas is watching Faith Church interact, what do they see? And, and do we have favor with the people around us because they see us uh, loving each other as family? And we also know they had an effective witness because look at how that verse, verse 47, continues. They not only experienced the favor of people around them, they experienced God's favor too because the way 47 ends is the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And that's why Faith Church exists, so that more and more people would come to find saving life in Jesus. Faith Church doesn't exist so we can come and hang out every Sunday for an hour. Faith Church exists because desperately, desperately, desperately people in Dallas and in Oregon and the United States and to the ends of the earth need the life-changing grace of God through salvation in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 13, 34, Jesus said this, just as I have loved you, think about this, think about the intensity of this, just as I have loved you, hey, you should love one another. Whoa. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Jesus died. And Jesus says, as I have loved you, you love others. Being part, this passage, Acts 2, the end of Acts 2, this passage this morning should tell us this, that being part, according to the New Testament, according to the Bible this morning, being part of a church family means intimate, long-lasting, real connections, real relationships with people such that we are made right with God and, and, and saved into a community, adopted into his family, and we interact as family. That's what this passage is showing us, that and, and if you look at the screen and you see Jesus' words and you go, man, that's a high calling to love as, as Jesus has loved us. Yeah, and you know what? That kind of love requires seeing each other more than an hour a week. 
right? Help me, help me, those that have been around. Church is not what? A building, what else? Church is not an event. Church is not an hour. Church is not a calendar item. Church is God's people joining him on the mission to the world to show his love to all people and rescue all people. Church is people. Your salvation made you right with God and it brought you into a community. It saved you. It adopted you into a family. And because we are um, saved into community, we, we need to be committed to church family. And it's a challenge. That's a challenge, I think, for us in our day, in our life, in our culture, in what's told to us around us. The challenge of that is, is for us to embrace our need for church family. How do, we, how do we truly commit ourselves to being part of a church family when everything else around us screams about individualism and, and what's best for me and what's my plan and what's my ideal and what's my preference and I lead my own life and I make my own decisions and when everything else screams at us like that, that it's every man for himself, how then do we look beyond ourselves to love God by loving people? And yes, how do we look beyond ourselves to to have God's love flow through us to other people. Yes, people that other, also other people that follow Jesus, our brother and sisters in Christ. Yes, them. How do we love them? And how does God's love to us overflow out of us so that we love others who need Jesus and the family of God? Acts 1.8 is our key verse for this series. The Holy Spirit will come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You, follower of Jesus, have, not will, do. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been saved by God's grace, by putting your faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you, empowering you to live for him. The Spirit has come and you are to be testifiers, ambassadors, witnesses for what he has done in your life. I, I say this a lot of times at our membership lunches. Joining Faith Church is not joining a club for the benefits you get out of it. It's not like your Costco card gets you a discount. Joining a, a, a church family is not joining a club for the benefits for you, but it's joining a cause. It's becoming part of something that's bigger than you. It's not becoming coming here for what you get out of it. It's coming here because you know that God's called you to make a difference in the world for him. And so where I'm convicted about this is I'm, okay, I'm, we're brought into relationship with God. We are saved into a family He's called us to be his witnesses and testifiers. And then you know what stumbles, gets me stum uh, caught up sometimes, a little obstacle, is I, I, I look around myself and my life and my rhythms and my schedule and my commitments and my relationships, and I go, how many non-surface relationships do I have with non-believing people? I want, I want you to ask yourself that. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you have multiple non-surface friendships with non-believing people. Because that's what, we, that's what God wants. is for us to have multiple non-surface friendships with multiple non-believers so that, okay, look at the rest of this verse on the screen here. John, back to John 13. 
Jesus, we read the first part already. Jesus said, as I have loved you, you should love one another. But look what he goes on to say. It's by this, all people, the world, will know if you're a Christian or not by the way you love one another. Jesus in this verse gives the world, outsiders, permission to judge whether you are a follower of Jesus or not by the way you love other Christians. And then, I always ask myself about this verse. You've probably heard this from me before. It says, they will know you are, Jesus says, you, they will, you will, uh, Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And so I ask myself this, how are my non-believing friends and family going to experience your, you and I's love for one another? Unless we're all rubbing elbows. Are you with me? If I only love you in here or in life group in my home, how, do, how does the world see our love for one another? But the mission that God is calling us as we are witnesses and testifiers and ambassadors for him is to, is to live out our life as a family in the midst of and, and, and with them witnessing and with them also interacting with us with non-believers. So they can see that God is at work. So that they can see that we've been made right with God. So that they can see we've been adopted into a family and they can go, wow, I need Jesus too. So Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another, your fellow Christians. And by this, all people, people around us, people far from Jesus, will know that you are my followers if you have love for one another. I'm going to invite you to stand. The band can come back up. And I'll invite you to stand, and I'm going to explain what we're going to do for the last few minutes that we have together. I said I spent hours studying and that it was going to take me hours to pass it along. Thankfully, it wasn't an hour. But some of you feel like it. As the band comes back up, and I invited you to stand because I want to, we want to spend our last few minutes together, about 10 minutes or so here, in response to what God has done. We want to give ourselves an opportunity as a family to share together, to be a family, to reflect on what he is saying to us through his word. And then we want to give ourselves space. This is why, we, uh, this is why every Sunday we don't preach the word and then dismiss you. We love to spend a few minutes after we study God's word together. And every week, whether we say it or not, this is what we're inviting you to do, is we're inviting those last few minutes to be spent contemplating what you've heard from God through his word, reflecting on it, asking the spirit to show you what he has for you. And then, and then we want to have opportunities to respond accordingly. And so we have studied uh, the Bibles this morning. We have, we have been devoted to the apostles' teaching this morning. We are going to have an opportunity to sing two songs, to lift our voices in worship and praise. 
We're going to have, that's one way we can respond. And, and those songs, uh, two songs is going to give us plenty of time to where we can join in in the singing, but where you also may choose to respond in a different way and, and, and participate in one of these other things that I'm about to mention. We want you to take this as time and space to hear from God and respond accordingly. You can do any of these things. You can do none of them. You can do all of them. You can you, Please do them at, at, at your own pace. When you're ready, not because of what other people are doing, but because of what you, how you want to spend time with God and how you want to interact as family. We can lift our voices in song. We can give our financial gifts, our offerings. There's boxes on the back wall, or you can use your church center app. One of the ways we worship one of the ways we thank God for his generosity to us is by giving our gifts. That's one act of worship that can happen in these next few minutes. We want to be a church who is growing in prayer. You can spend time right there where you stand or where you sit praying. You can turn to a believer in Jesus near you and ask for prayer. Say, this is bugging me. This is hard. Here's something I need. Could you pray for me? Do that with someone near you if you, if you can or would. And then if you still are looking for someone, though, to pray for you and you're not sure where to go, in the corner of the room, back over there, Marty and Nancy are going to be available. And they would love to have you just come see them. And they would pray for you. Whether you say what you need prayer for or not, they're there to pray for you. And then if you're a believer in Jesus, you're invited to come to one of these tables up front as well to share in the Lord's Supper. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're invited to come and we take the bread and the cup that symbolizes and reminds us of Jesus' body and blood given for us, his death for us so that we can be saved, so we can be made right with God, so we can be brought into relationship with him and brought into his family. So you can come to the tables. You can spend time right there at the table and pray and share in the Lord's Supper there. You can come together with friends or family and share together. You can grab the elements and step aside and pray together. You can grab the elements and go back to your seats. There's really not one way to do this. We're creating time and space for you to have an opportunity to interact with your father and to share with family in responding to his work in our lives. Father, we thank you for your great love for us through Christ. We thank you that your salvation has given us life now and life eternal with you. And we thank you that your salvation has also brought us into your people, your church, our family. We love you, Lord, and want to live for you in all we do. Amen.